I hope you've done your chapter reading today. Today we come to Acts chapter 16. And at the end of the last chapter, uh, Paul and Barnabas went separate ways. At some point in the first missionary journey that we've been thinking about, Mark had, for an unknown reason, Acts 15.38, withdrawn from them in Pamphylia. Apparently this did not sit very well with Paul. And when Mark wanted to rejoin them later, Paul <laughs> didn't want anything to do with it. Barnabas, however, was the more merciful of the two and advocated for Mark's reinstatement in verse Acts 15.37. And when they couldn't come to an agreement, Barnabas and Paul, on this matter of uh, taking Mark uh, back with them, um, they went separate, separate ways in order to carry on the mission. Acts 15.29, Mark went with Barnabas and uh, Paul went on with Silas. And the story follows Paul and Silas. And here they return to some of the places they passed through on the first missionary journey to encourage and strengthen them. So let's, let's take a, a look at a couple of things that we find in this chapter that are noteworthy. Um, here's the first thing. As the chapter begins, Paul picks up another uh, companion who joins him in Silas. I said that he and Silas had gone on together, but uh, here early in the chapter, they pick up another companion to go with them, namely Timothy. And Timothy would prove to be a, a dedicated disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and was instrumental in leading the church in Ephesus later on. So as the three, Paul, Silas, and Timothy went along, Paul received a vision one night from the Lord about where to go next and and where to preach verse 9 and as they set on their way um, they came to the city of Philippi which Luke identifies in verse 12 as a leading city of Macedonia and a Roman colony so it was here that we uh, read about the very first convert on the Asian continent namely Lydia and uh, Paul and his missionary companions went down to a place where they had heard that some people uh, often gathered to pray, and it was there that they met uh, a person, a lady named Lydia, verses 13 and 14. And Luke tells us that she was a seller of purple goods, verse 14. Now, while this <laughs> may seem to be a throwaway comment, okay, she sold purple things. <laughs> uh, at the very least, it tells us that in that day, she she would have been very well off financially since purple goods were mainly clothing and other items sold to royalty and those in authority, purple being the color of royalty. In any case, she was uh, down at the riverside with others praying when Paul and his companions came and shared the message of Christ with them. The most interesting aspect of this story is what Luke tells us happened to Lydia as Paul preached in verse 14 we read quote the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul in verse 15 we read that Lydia was baptized so whatever the Lord did in her heart in verse 14 brought her to saving faith and thus she was baptized so let's examine what it says as Paul preached like I said we were told that the Lord opened her heart in verse 14 did it this implies that our hearts need to be opened in order to respond to the gospel message. And secondly, it implies that we cannot open our own hearts 
if 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 Lydia would benefit from Paul's preaching, her heart needed to be opened. And because she could not open her own heart, the Lord did it. The Lord makes our hearts responsive to his word. Verse 14 says that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Pay attention to is, in my estimation, um, a somewhat weak translation of what the Greek word actually says. The Greek word is prosecco. And while it can mean pay attention to, it is often uh, translated in a much stronger way, as in hold on to or give oneself to. In fact, 1 Timothy 3.8, in that verse, the word is used to refer to being addicted to much wine. That's the same word. If you read the, 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 um, in 1 Timothy 3, the characteristics of, uh, of elders and then uh, deacons, and then when you see that deacons should not be addicted to much wine, that's this addicted. That's this word here, the same word as, as what Lydia did with the preaching of Paul, that message. For these reasons, I think the, the NIV translates this verse much better when it says the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, not just to pay attention to it, but to respond to it. The Lord uh, did not merely cause her to pay attention to it, but but give herself to it and 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 act on it. All right. And how with faith and repentance. And this makes sense of why she was baptized in the very next verse. This is a single instance of what the Lord does with every person who comes to faith in Christ. Our hearts, by nature, are hardened toward the gospel message. And if we would respond savingly in repentance and faith, the Lord must come to us and soften or open our hard hearts. The Lord doesn't simply make salvation possible. He actually saves us. Well, the second and final thing I want to note here in this chapter has to do with Paul and Silas. Um, during their journey. I find Paul's and Silas's response to the intense persecution they suffered uh, incredible. While they were still in Philippi, they were sent to prison because they had cast out a demon from a girl who, it says in verse 16, this girl had brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. But it's really frightening to read what happened to um, Paul and Silas. We're told they were, in verse 19, they were seized, and dragged into the marketplace, verse 19, where every, why, why did they drag them into the marketplace? Because that's where everybody was. Everyone would have been in the marketplace since it was a natural gathering place in town. So soon, verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them. And the rulers didn't stop them. The rulers actually joined in. They tore the clothes off of, Paul and Silas, that would have certainly been humiliating, and gave orders to beat them with rods. Certainly excruciatingly painful. After all this, it says in verse 24, they were thrown into prison where their feet were fastened in the stocks in the inner prison. Just imagine this happening to you or to me. I mean, how would we be responding at this point? I mean, I can imagine how I would be. Um, but Think about it. Think about that. But then consider how Paul and Silas responded. Verse 25, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas uh, were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, 
We know the rest of the story about how God sovereignly sent an earthquake which led to the opportunity to preach to the, the jailer there in Philippi who repented and put his faith in Christ. And we often get consumed with that aspect of the story and overlook the fact that after all the physical abuse they had received at the hands of a bloodthirsty mob, they were praying and singing hymns to God. And we can most definitely learn uh, from these men how to respond to the trials we face in our life. Many of our trials do not even compare to what they faced, but we, we often sinfully respond to our trials with complaining and unbelief. And may God give us the grace to respond to our trials in the God-honoring way that Paul and Silas responded to theirs. Because when you read this about Paul and Silas, and they were singing, and pr- uh, singing hymns and praying to God, even after they had and you, been beaten like that, and you think, you think, I, I don't know that I could be that way. Well, Paul and Silas couldn't be that way. This was God giving them grace in that moment to do it. And if you ask him, he will give you grace in your moment to do the same. And these are some thoughts from Acts chapter 16.